We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I've been working in a group called Convergence for a number of years, guys, just to give a quick... So, you know, we believe that we are evangelical, Pentecostal, and Catholic. So we believe we're all three. So we have to take care of all the bases on Sunday morning. And I was raised by a Pentecostal grandmother. And until we got you jumping and running with a hanky, we didn't think we'd even done anything. So I'm going to talk about two superheroes this morning. I, I spent the last three or four days with some of my grandchildren, and they brought superheroes. Anybody here have grandkids that have superheroes? I have sworn with them, we're going on vacation a couple of weeks, and I've sworn them they can bring no more superheroes on vacation. Because we can't figure out whether Iron Man is better or Black Panther is better. And we only have one Iron Man and we only have one Black Panther and we got five little boys and so we're fighting over who get... It was this close to see if they could fly 400 feet off the end of that. Never mind. So I'm going to talk to you about real superheroes this morning. I'm going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 23, and then I'm going to jump into Judges chapter 6 and 7. But I want to talk to you about Benaniah and Gideon, and they're the real superheroes, and they have real uh, superhuman powers. And uh, about a year and a half ago, Sean faced a, a real battle in his life. Most of you know Sean faced cancer, and he's cancer-free, and uh, yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> got the CT scans and all the stuff to prove it. And I can remember when he, uh, they, Heather called me and we ran into the doctor's uh, room and we were in there and it was not fun as you can imagine. And something we just didn't know. And I'm the pastor and dad and I'm supposed to know everything to say and I'm supposed to be able to calm everybody down. And out of my mouth came these words, run at the roar. Run at the roar. And some of you know we've been wearing those things for about 18 months now. Run at the roar. Touch your neighbor and say, run at the roar. And uh, on, on television and all kinds of things out there, and I give these things away, people ask me, what does that mean? And when they ask me that, I have to preach about Benaniah. About 10 years ago, I did some work, sold the work. Works become somebody else's. But anyway, it's in the Bible. Second Samuel 23, verse 20. Benaniah was the son of Jehida, the son of a valiant man from Kavazil, I can't say any of that stuff, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. I think it was Iron Man and that. He also had... He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. That's one of my favorite lines in the whole Bible. I got to read it again. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Man, that was a deal, wasn't it? I mean, Hollywood movies are made about these kinds of things. I, I get tickled that every great action movie comes out of the Bible. They just never give us credit. He killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down with a staff, a stick, wrested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, killed him with his own spear. Wow! If you're a guy, you got to be going, never mind. 
These things Benaniah the son of Jehida did and won a name among three mighty men. He won a name among three. Say among three. He was more honored than the 30. I love that line. He was more honored. Say more honor. But he did not attain to the first three. He wasn't even the best. He didn't even get, he didn't make the top three. I mean, there was number three, number two, number one. He didn't even make. And David appointed him as his bodyguard. Wow. Then one verse out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, 18. There is no fear. Say no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I mean, get a clue. If a lion jumps out of the cage and roars at you, you run. I mean, you run. It's not normal to turn around and run at the lion. You, you run away from the tiger. You don't run at. I mean, this isn't a, not a normal dude. I mean, it, generally speaking, if you encounter a lion, it's really a bad day. Really, really a bad day. You, you're almost on loser end. I mean, but it's interesting how one big bad lion can set you in a position to be the bodyguard of the king. You have to understand that everything that's taking place in your life is nothing more than pregame warm-up. It's nothing more than preparing you. You're going through a process, and he'll put you in the right or the wrong place, depending on how you look at it, with the right or the wrong lion, depending on how you look at it, so that he can fashion you into the thing that he's designed you to be. And this process would bestow honor on this man. Do you know that every challenge you face is an opportunity to acquire honor? That every challenge we face in our life is an opportunity to bring honor and glory, not only to us, but to God. I mean, he roared at a lion. He ran at the lion. I got to tell you, a lion in my face is not on my wish list. It, it, it's not on my bucket list either. In fact, it, it, it really, it, it, if you ask me, it, it sounds like a death wish to me to try to face a lion. It's impressive. I mean, it obviously looked good on the resume. I mean, David is interviewing for his number one bodyguard, you know, the dude that would take care of him. This guy shows up, and he's got a Ph.D. in criminology, graduated top of his class. He worked for the KBI. Great credentials, right? Great creds. This guy graduated from USC, served in the Green Beret, good creds. And David's standing on the corners. They're reaching over the side of the room. And this guy steps up and he goes, no, I haven't got a degree in anything, but I did kill a lion on a snowy day after I hired that boy. I got, I got news for you. If you got a choice between some dude that's got a degree and some dude that's got the lion skin hanging on his wall, choose the dude with the lion skin. I mean, I've grown up in a world where if you had the degree, you got the job. And the truth of the matter is you couldn't do anything. This dude ha had a resume. He killed the lion on a snowy day after he jumped in. You're hired. You've got the job. You have to understand that your past experiences, which means you've got some. I get tickled all the time when people younger than I am, which is becoming larger, people younger than I asking me how I know. Well, 
It's called experience. How do you get it? You live longer than 19 years. See, your past experiences will prepare you for future opportunities, and every one of God's opportunities are disguised as lions. They're disguised as not such a good thing. You see, those things in our life that roar at us. Have, has anybody had anything roaring at them? You know, it's something, finances can roar at you, right? Your health can roar at you. God forbid. Your wife, never, your hut, no. Your, your marriage can roar. Life in general can roar at you. The question is, what do you do when you're facing a lion in your life? What are you doing when those things happened? And, and, and I really, 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 really believe that we need some Christians that know how to roar. We need some Christians whose faith is not just preparing them so that they can sit on a cloud in the afterlife, but a faith that causes them to have some courage to take a stand in today's world and stand up in the face of some of the things that are roaring through our media and through our world and have the courage. I, I, I don't like mealy-mouthed Christians. I want some Christians that have got some courage to perhaps come from Ireland. I want some Christians that have enough faith and courage to stand up and say, I don't care whether you wear a collar or don't wear a collar. I don't, I don't really care whether you talk in tongues or don't talk in tongues. What I care about is that you have enough courage to look at the problems in our world and roar back. All it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to stay silent. We need some people that will have the courage to stand up and roar. Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and of good courage. Because I need you to shout at some walls so that they'll come down. I need you to take that box and step into a river so it'll part. I need you to shout at the sun to stand still. Joshua, I want you to make these people inherit the promises of God. But son, you're going to have to stand up and have some courage. Christian, you're going to have to have some courage to get through life. You're going to have to grow a backbone. You're going to have to be able to have a thought without the media telling you what to have. You're going to have to have a thought without the tribe telling you what it is. You're going to have to hear from God on your own and understand that that idea that God has given to you, that little word that is down on the inside of you, will cause you to stand up and roar at some lions that have been roaring for far too long. This man roared back at a lion. He killed two spectacular Moabite people. He stood up for himself. He took the spear out of that hand and stabbed him. Listen to me. There's nobody coming to your rescue. You're going to have to chase down your own lion. You're going to have to stand in the face of the challenges of your own life and find enough courage on the inside to roar back. At those moments when they tell you certain things, there's nobody coming into the room to hold your hand. At, at, at those moments when life deals you the wrong set of cards, you're going to have to have something called faith from the inside. I want to try to share four things with you that I think we can learn from Benaniah. And number one is, <clears throat> the odds are never good, son. The odds are this is going to get you. God waits until the odds are against you. God waits until the deck is stacked. God waits until it looks impossible. You see, he waits until Gideon is surrounded in Judges chapter 6. 
The boy is surrounded by an army, and the boy is scared of his own shadow. He's the weakest of his clan. He digs a hole in a cellar in a wine press. He goes in there, he takes his bag of Oreos, and he's going to eat the bag himself, and then he's going to die. He's afraid. He's scared. He's nobody's first choice, second choice, fourth choice. And the Bible says that while he is there, the Lord appeared to him. This is interesting because I was raised in faith people, and God only appeared to people that had faith. He only appeared to people that prayed long. This dude was getting ready to die out of fear. And the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. This is one time I wanted to say to the Lord, are you blind? Do you understand? This man is hiding from his enemy. You know how many people I know today are hiding from the obvious situations of their life? They're living in denial, and they're just hiding from the realities that are surrounding them, and, and, and they don't see any possibility of it getting any better, and so the odds are stacked against them, and Gideon doesn't even soften his tone. I, I, in, in verse 13, he says, Gideon said, oh my Lord, you know how many people say that? Oh my, oh come on, you weren't raised with Grandma Jesse, oh my Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? You know that I've got that question for 40 years. If God's such a good God, why did that baby die? If God's such a good God, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Why? Do you know how many people are staying away from church? Because they don't understand what happened. I like it. God never answers his question, and he's never going to answer yours. The question of why has been around for a very long time, and God is not in the business of explaining himself to small-minded people who think they have the ability to question God. He's not going to answer your question. I'm not coming to church. Fine, but you're still stuck. God, why has this happened to us, and where are all the miracles which our fathers told us were going to happen? You know how many times I get in people's room, you preach about miracles. Where are they? Well, while you've been hiding underground... God has been doing signs and wonders. Where are all these things? Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I mean, if you follow the thought process of Gideon, he's really going, "Uh, why did you let this happen? Where are all the miracles? It's actually your fault. You should have protected me from ever having this challenge in my life. You should have stopped the lion from coming out to get me. You should have kept me in the playpen where I could not have gotten attacked. You should have kept all of that stuff. After all, I'm... Do you know how many Christians really believe that bunk? you know how many Christians really believe that when problems come their way, it's actually God's fault? It's interesting to me how many Christians purport that idea that God only sends hurricanes on people that are sinners. Oh, well, you'll get it in a minute. And Gideon is stuck in this mindset that actually robs him from the reality that God is good. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And that's when Gideon goes in this whole thing about how weak and how... Most of the time, it's our mindsets that stack the odds against ourselves. We view ourselves as weak. We view ourselves as nobodies. We view our... And the Lord shows up and says, I'm with you. I'm here. This isn't about your strength. It's about my strength. This is... 
What can we learn from Benaniah? Well, God likes stacking the odds against you. Ah, I got to tell you, Gideon gets a bad rap because, are you still with me? Gideon, Gideon, Superman, never mind. Batman. Gideon, I mean, this weak, no good for nothing scaredy cat has the ability to go out and find 32,000 people to follow him into battle. Now, a while ago, he was hiding for his own life. Now he convinces 32,000 people to go to war with him. That's a pretty good deal. And so he shows up and says, look, God, I've got all these people on my side. They've come to my mega church, and we're going to go march, and we're going to go do this. And the Lord said, eh, that's too many. Wow. He said, why don't you send everybody that's afraid home? I've been afraid to tell everybody that's afraid to go home. I'd have to leave first. Ah. And 22,000 people got up and left. And now your 32,000 army is shrunk to 10,000. And then, then the Lord says, no, that still isn't. And, and so then we only keep dudes that know how to drink water out of their hands. And we got 300. God will stack odds against you. It'll look like it's impossible. He'll make you feel like there is no way out. He'll make that lion so big. He'll make sure it's ice and snow on the road. And then he'll make that lion jump in a pit and you'll have to jump after him. God will set you up. You want to know why? Because when you get out of this thing, you're not going to be able to take any credit for it. When you get out of this, you're not going to say, look what I did. Look what my faith did. God's going to set it up. So the only one that gets anything out of this is him. What we learn from Benaniah, number one, is that the odds are generally stacked against us. It's probably not going to turn out too good. That God likes us in impossible situations. The number two thing we can learn from Benaniah is he never focused on his disadvantages. I mean, God, I'd chase the lion. It just happens to be slick out and I have no cleats. I mean, I'm disadvantaged. That's a big lion. It's, it, it's about 500 pounds. See, we get this idea that we begin to look at how disadvantaged we are. Well, I don't have a degree. Well, I do have a degree. Well, I'm too young. Well, I'm too old. Well, it's too far. Well, it's too bad. And I feel bad. You see, those mental lions can keep us from seeing that God has set this thing up so that we can realize how strong and powerful God is. Most people going to church today are just satisfied with sliding into heaven. They're not looking for any real challenges. Did you see that little girl win that tennis match yesterday or the day before? That little 15-year-old girl, and she was wham and wham. And when she beat that other girl and she moved into that top 16 at Wimbledon, she went, ah! And I think, where is the Christian that knows how to do that? Where is the 15-year-old Christian that knows how to come back from being down? Where is the Christian that knows how to keep their focus on the fact that God has called them to win and not to lose? Where is the Christian that understands we're called to overcome our own pride, our own attitude, our own self? Oh, well. I'm waiting to see somebody in the parking lot at Walmart go, Hey, pastor! Ah! I just saved 50 bucks. I was tempted to buy another pair of shoes, but I didn't. I left my credit card in my billfold. Yeah! Now I've just gotten too personal, had I? As long as we're defeating cancer, we're good. But if we're trying to get out of credit card debt, then, well, nobody's in. Oh, well, don't shout me down when I'm coming at you. Hang on, I'll get there. 
I'm going to have about this one. You just stand outside of Chick-fil-A, and I did not have another one of those. I love them peach ones, you know, with the cream on top. And they tell you it's only got 42 calories, but they lie. Hmm. We need to focus. We need to focus on the fact that God is with us, that he's not forsaken us. I, I, I mean, yeah, but pastor, you're ridiculous. Well, I serve a ridiculous God. Do you understand it is ridiculous to believe that because some woman ate an apple, I'm going to hell. Because yeah. <laughs> some woman couldn't control her diet and the guy didn't have enough ability to tell her no. I'm on my way to... That's ridiculous. It's just as ridiculous to think that there was some dude born in Bethlehem by a virgin and his dad's name was Joseph. And it's just as ridiculous to think that he walked around Galilee and fed people with, you know, and then he died on a cross and he rose again. It's ridiculous to place your eternal security in some dude that you've never met named Jesus. That is ridiculous. I serve a ridiculous God. If you're expecting me to grow up and mature, I believe in ridiculous things. I believe people chase lions into a pit on a snowy day and live to tell about it. I, I believe, did you know there's, there's a story in the Bible where this dude borrowed an axe from a friend and then he lost the axe in the pond. Let me put it to you another way. It's like me borrowing a lawnmower from my friend and driving the lawnmower into my pond. It's stupid. I mean, you lose something that you... Have you ever... Listen, I've got people borrow stuff and lose my stuff. I wish they had become ridiculous. And this dude goes to the man of God. He calls up the prophet. He calls up the pope. And he goes, I need you to do something. I've lost the axe of my friend. I mean, you talk about being on the bottom end of the scale of what's important. This is pretty... Unimportant. So the prophet takes a stick, breaks it, throws it into the water, and the iron floats. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a ridiculous story. <laughs> yeah, it's in the Bible. It's ridiculous. When's the last time you prayed for anything ridiculous? When's the last time you believed God for anything ridiculous? What does Benaniah show us? You focus on a God that does ridiculous things and ridiculous situations because only then can you run at a lion and roar back at what is roaring at you. Some of you need to start praying some ridiculous prayers. If you'd had some of the cards I've had, you would pray ridiculous prayers. Jesus, please get it out of the parking lot. If you'd had to pray some of the prayers... It's ridiculous, but Benaniah shows us that it is worth praying some... Re- I mean, come on, water into wine. What's really the point? That doesn't... It's a ridiculous prayer. This Bible is filled with people that ask God ridiculous things and that live ridiculous lives because they know that God is with them. Touch your neighbor and say, he's with you today. The fourth thing I think we can learn from Benaniah is that he didn't make any excuses. Well, well, you know, here we are. We've got a lion right there. Can you imagine his buddies? What was he thinking? 
He didn't make any excuses for the situation in which he found himself. He didn't plan for any contingency. This is it. I mean, what choice do you have? When a lion jumps out and roars at you, what choice do you really have? Because you can't outrun him. How many of you ever tried to outrun a lion? Can I tell you? You cannot outrun a lion. You can scare the lion to jumping in a pit. You got more chance to scare the lion to run from you than you do in outrunning the lion. I get tickled at people that tell me, you cannot talk to mountains. Well, if you can roar at a lion, you can talk to a mountain. I mean, the Bible is filled with people that start talking back to something bigger than themselves. His name was Goliath, and he talked back to him. You can talk back to those things. I have no other contingency. There is no plan B. We're going to throw you boys in the fire. We're going to pick you up if you don't bow to Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to wrap you up, and we're going to throw you in the fire. And those three children who are misrepresented as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their real names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They're misrepresented because other people wanted to name them after their devil gods instead of using the gods that connected them to their big god. So Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who realized who they were no matter what other people called them, stood there and said, Look, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't know whether you can throw us into that fire or not, but even if you can can throw us into that fire. We are not going to bow and worship you. And they refuse to bow. Listen, I have no plan B. My only plan is to trust in God. It doesn't matter how big the lion is, how hot the fire is, or how large the army is, what the diagnosis is. There is no plan B. Our calling is to trust in the God that died on a cross, rose again, and is coming. It is ridiculous, but it is the plan we got. Honey, you either need to be all in, or you need to get your fanny out because half in and half out is called lukewarm. Nothing's going to work for you. And when the end of the day, you're just an embarrassment to those of us that are standing with everything we got that God will deliver us from this. Oh, I didn't get but one amen out of that. Why? Because radical people embarrass lukewarm people. You should have seen the people I said, I think I'll go over there and meet some of them Catholics. You should have seen the look I got. You should have seen the look I got from my mother. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, forgive me. We need some radical people. We need some people that understand that we serve this radical God and that we have no plan B. That our only plan is to trust in this God that tells us, you have heard it said, but now I say. Just read the thing called the New Testament. Jesus loved going, yeah, you've heard it said, but now I say unto you. You have heard all kinds of things said, but now you need to hear what Jesus said. If you believe in me, all things are possible. That cannot be messed up. I don't care that it's been 2,000 years or not. It is what it says it is. We need to understand that God has put something down on the inside of us, and we are not called to back down. We are called to stand up. The number four thing that we can learn from Benaniah, run at the thing. Run at it. Don't sit there and talk about woe is me. Uh, my mama didn't love me. My dog didn't like me. The teachers didn't like me. I'm just... Quit that. Stand up and run at that thing. Stand up and look it square in the eye and say, I am, there is no fear in love. 
Did you understand the goal of God's love is to make you fearless? His goal is so that you get up every day and face it. That you get up every day and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm breathing now. I'm alive now. That you get up every day. And you remember what Peter said? He said the enemy goes around like a roaring lion. He really isn't one. He just thinks he's one. And you're supposed to stand. I get up every day. I'm just... You need to practice. I'm serious. You need to practice. Listen, I saved a minivan a hundred million times. When I first started preaching, we lived over on 8th Street, and we had one of them there Dodge minivans, you know, where the, the windshield and the, and, the, and the hood all sloped like this. Had this little emblem that said Chrysler on it. My Bible fit right on there. Better than the pulpit I got now. Look at the pulpit I got now. That one didn't even wobble. And I'd lay my Bible on the hood of that Dodge minivan, and I'd preach that Dodge minivan. Some of you need to go home and get in front of the mirror and say, he's with me. And I'm fearless. And, and, and some of you need to roar at yourself because it's you that's roaring at you. It's your own head on the inside. The sound you hear is the mental midget in your head that's telling you you're too dumb, too weak, too drunk, too poor, too this and too that. You need to start roaring at yourself. You need to go in the bathroom and make your wife wonder. <laughs> you're roar, you're Listen, I'm toning it down for the guest. I can jack it up. I'm toning it back because they're going to go back to Ireland and go, that nut in Kansas. <laughs> I got these grandkids and they got Iron Man. Did I tell you this? They got Iron Man. They got Black Panther. And, and, and one of them goes, roar. And the other one goes, roar. And they'll go, roar. I think some of you get together and have a prayer meeting. And you don't know what to pray for. But you could get in there and just go, roar! You could get in there and roar and groan. I know you don't believe in tongues, and I know you don't believe in... But you could get in there and just scream at that thing. You could get in Whatever your greatest fear is, face it. Whatever it is that's shouting at you this morning, shout back at it. Whatever it is that's trying to hold you down, grab it by the throat. Am I making any sense to anybody? Listen, mamby-pamby Christianity will never get you out of anything. You're going to have to learn to run at that roar. I'd love to have been in the break room. King David, I killed a bear. I killed a lion. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Was it snowing? It was snowing the day I, you got me there. It wasn't snowing. <clears throat> Did you jump into the pit after it? Nope, nope. That's why you're the bodyguard and I'm the king. You <laughs> Listen to me. You need friends that have done more than you have. You need to, you need to find I mean, David was a champion, but he hired somebody that had done even. 
Some of you are so insecure, you won't hire anybody that's got any more faith than you. Some of you need to shut up and listen to the stories of other people. Are you listening to me? Some of you, I don't don't need to be Ben and I, I just need to hire him. I just need to hang out with him. I just need him to be. Got my cleats on, I'm going. How do we roar at the enemy? I, I got to tell you, John and I were so pumped last Sunday. We were so pumped. I think we just kept shouting at each other back and forth on text messages. How, how many were here last Sunday? Yeah. Did, okay. did, did you hear us? When it came time to pray the Lord's Prayer, it wasn't, Our Father who art in heaven, how be Okay. No, 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 you shouted. You, you went, our Father, who art in heaven. You shouted. You could feel this place. Why? Because we were one. Yes. There, there's one thing about it, my dear guest. Protestant, Catholic, Anglicans, Pentecostals, Baptists. We all say the same prayer. It's an interesting thought. And we all break the same bread. I never have to explain it when I break the bread and pour the wine. We all get it. How do you roar at the enemy? How do you do do that? I I love David. He's, I just love him. Every time I read David, I, mm, seven times each day. I stop and shout praises for the way you keep everything running right. Don't raise your hands. How many of you would like to stop something that you're doing? How many of you would like to break a stronghold that's in your life? Pull out that phone that you pay 90 bucks a month for. And seven times a day, put three minutes in there just to shout praises to God. I double dog dare you. I triple dog. I mean, I draw a line in the sand, Donnie McCollum, and I tell you, you don't know who Donnie is. You didn't grow up in the 50s. I double dog dare you. Pick seven times in the day that you're going to shout praises to God. And you got to keep your promise. I don't care whether you're in Walmarts. I don't care whether you're at work. I don't care whether you have to get up off your desk, go outside, and go, In the name of Jesus, I'm just going to praise you for the next three minutes. You just Some of you spend more time smoking than that. Oh, well. I'm just saying. Some of you spend more time gossiping than that. Some of you spend more time Googling some dumb thing. Just saying. If you want to roar at the lion, seven times each day I stop and shout praises. Here's my challenge. Stop. 
and shout praises. Just stop and make your attention and roar at that thing. Yeah, but that's just not my temperament. Man, I bet the lion didn't go. Let's pick the one with that temperament. Let's don't pick on the one that's got that personality. Can, 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 can you imagine? Seriously. Boom, in the pit. And Ben and I, as friends, go, well, it's nice knowing him. Or how about the other lions back in the lion's den? What an embarrassment. Did you know that your survival can be the greatest witness that the world has ever seen? I got news for you. After 35 years here, my survival, I don't care whether you agree with my theology or not. Because you ain't that much. But I will tell you. Until you've had to chase a lion or two, don't talk to me. Because it's your survival. Have I got you? Now here's what I want you to do. Everyone in this room has survived something. Everyone in this room. Everyone in this room survived something. What you need to do right now is stop and thank God for what it is you survived. What you need to do right now is stop and thank the Lord that you're still here. Because when you start thanking him for the lions that you killed and you don't even know it, you made it. It'll give you the strength to beat on your chest next time. It'll give you the strength and the confidence and the courage to stand up and start roaring back at that thing. Shouting back at it. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.